This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Uh, we've got Brad Bradford, Toronto City Councilor for Ward 19 Beaches, East York, joining us. Good morning to you, Brad. How are you? Good, Ben. I love, love the energy. It's like an injection <laughs> of caffeine in my veins just listening to you. This is good. Well, let me, I'll tell you what I loved. Um, during the, uh, the mayoral uh, race, uh, there was only one candidate who knocked on my door, and that man was Brad Bradford. And he nice. and, had a nice chat. And I brought him in, and we sat down, and we had a we had a nice chat. And uh, and I find myself, Brad, agreeing with you on a lot of key issues about uh, what what can we do to solve the um, the homelessness crisis? How can we keep people alive when the winter months come and um, and the below freezing temperatures uh, could put them in real harm? I don't know if I I haven't told you my new uh, idea, uh, but you're more than welcome to study it. And then, and then once you study it, you're going to realize it's genius. And then you're going to. Well, I'm here for your injection of, of genius ideas. Brad Bradford, back. the way that we're going to keep people alive in the winter months is we are going to do a deal with the Eaton Center and Yorkdale. And they're going to open up what, what, what once was Nordstrom so that these people can stay warm in centrally located areas that, uh, that keep them safe. And but also allow that, that, that have clearly defined barriers around them so that others in that space feel safe as well. What do you think of that? Well, you know, there are concentration of services in the downtown, and that's why I think you see there are, there are certain neighborhoods or intersections, Young and Dundas, uh, where you see a lot of folks who are experiencing homelessness or, or dealing with mental health challenges. And so the challenge for the city is having space available where those services are being provided. Uh, I'm not sure what, uh, if it's uh, Cadillac Fairview, if, uh, you know, they'd be on board with that, but your, your point is a good one. We, we need to have space for people to come indoors. We need to work out agreements. And when there are, um, whether that's armories or places at uh, exhibition place where we have big vacant base buildings downtown, um, you know, we have to find ways to bring people inside during the cold months of the winter here in Toronto. All right. Well, when we when we look to the warmer months, uh, people get on their bicycles and uh, there are more and more bike lanes in the city. I am a proponent of sharing the roads. I like mm-hmm. I would like to believe that there is a plan uh, in place. And we have, you know, Toronto has a pro cycling mayor and you're pro cycling as well. You you bike a lot as well. Um, but uh, I'm finding in my experience, and let's we'll talk about the Young Street one, which I was told mm-hmm. was going to be a pilot project. And, mm-hmm. as, and as soon as they said it was a pilot project, they start putting down permanent barriers. I don't understand that. If it's a pilot project, you got to be yeah, – they, 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 they were pretty sure this thing was going to stick forever. Uh, and, um, and they start putting down barriers and, and, and permanent structures very, very early. Um, I, I live in that area. I'm, I'm, I drive my kids. I carpool with them. People tell me, take your bike. I, was like, I can't with three kids. And, right. and I can't, I can't in the uh, winter months. It's just not happening. Uh, but in the summertime, Brad, I am telling you, as somebody who pays attention, very few people are using these things. Like very few people. It, 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 they, the, the, the gridlock consumes the area. And then on the sides are these beautiful boulevards for bicycles that very few people are using. Yeah, the Young Street bike lane, I think, is particularly problematic. I, When I first moved to Toronto from Hamilton, uh, I was actually living at Young and St. Clair. And um, I started riding a bike in the city, 
because I was working at Young and Bloor at a consulting firm at the time, and I would try and get on the subway at St. Clair Station, and I would routinely have to wait for two or three trains before I could get on. Now, that's not a problem with our transit system anymore because we have such low ridership. Uh, but that was how I started riding a bike in the city. And I would ride down Young Street. And you know what? It, it wasn't a pleasant ride going down at the time, but I did notice it was always you know, is always a cluster with traffic. Like that corridor was so jammed. And, you know, a decade later, now that the bike lanes are in there, I think that that has made it, uh, that has made it worse. There's no doubt about it. And when we look at ridership numbers, you know, we have to acknowledge some of these studies that the city does, you know, the evidence is not overwhelmingly compelling. Um, I think that's the nicest way to put it. Yeah. And you lose the confidence and the trust of people because they see these numbers, they see the numbers as a percentage of total trips on the corridor, and it's so low. Yeah. So I am a supporter of bike lanes. I ride a bike year-round. I'm one of those yeah. those guys in the city that rides all year. But I think we have to have humility as a city and acknowledge that some bike lanes are better than others. Yeah. Some make more sense. And, and if it's not working... You know, we have to acknowledge that maybe we need to redo and maybe that's not the best location. for. Gosh, you are a voice of reason, man. Like, I don't know how anybody can take issue with what you just said. If I, I, I believe bike lanes are good, but if people aren't using them, if we have evidence to suggest that 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 road would be better served by giving a portion of that back to the cars and and anybody who's seen it, people aren't moving on Young Street. Nobody's moving on Young Street. So. So you've made life harder for certain constituents and you've actually done nothing for the cyclists because they're voting with their bicycles and biking elsewhere. So so all you've done is make life harder for certain Torontonians. I'm really glad you said that. Show me the evidence it works and I'll support it. Uh, uh, Brad, I'd love to have you come back. We're going to uh, we're going to call our segment uh, Common Sense Chat with Brad and Ben. <laughs> I'm all for that. Give me a double dose of that in the morning. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon, my friend. See you, Ben. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Well, I am very excited uh, to speak with our next guest. This is my first uh, uh, provincial politician on the show, and we're, we're going right to the top. We've got Marit Stiles, the Ontario NDP leader, the leader of the opposition, calling us in, uh, calling into the station this morning. Uh, good morning, um, Ms. Stiles. Thank you so much for being here. Good morning. Great to be here. So let's talk about what's been going on in uh, in the House, uh, because uh, things got a little heated uh, yeah, a, a couple of days ago when Doug Ford accused your party of, quote, gutter politics. Uh, I listened to that clip a, a few times, and um, if you just read it, you would think he was uh, he was um, being humorous. But if you hear it, there's no humor in his voice. So my question is, do you think maybe you guys hit slightly below the belt? Well, I think, you know, one of my one of our my colleagues, MPPs, was was simply saying what he said many times before, which is that he made this promise to the uh, uh, former now, um, of course, uh, past mayor of Mississauga, Hazel McCallion, on her deathbed. And we sort of pointed that out to him and he he kind of lost it. And and I guess maybe, you know, it is it is obviously he's 
feeling very um, touchy about this this issue, probably for that very reason. But the the reality is we are hearing, and we'll we'll see what happens in the next few days, but that he's going to possibly flip-flop again on another big policy decision, which is the dissolution of the Peel region. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm I'm sort of of two minds about this, because on one hand, you know, I want my leaders to be um, to be governed by like to to, to 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 shape policy based on evidence, and if new mm-hmm. evidence presents itself, that is going to change the policy. And I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with that in and of itself. Uh, I do also appreciate that you know if you get elected making a promise and then you flip flop on it, uh, then people have the right to be angry. What what I mean. I, I don't, uh, but I don't want someone to be so ideological that no matter what evidence is in front of them, they don't change their minds. Where, how do you feel? How do you feel? Because sometimes flip flopping is mm-hmm. a good thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, look, I mean, what we've seen in the last few months, from uh, certainly the last year, from from Mr. Ford is he's he's been kind of flip flopping though on just about every major policy decision that his government has made. So, you know, he comes out with a decision. Uh, people say, this doesn't seem like a good idea. How did you come up with this decision? Why did you think it was a good idea? And he can't really give anybody a good rationale. And then when, when, when it's information comes out that indicates that these decisions were perhaps made not for the best reasons, he, he backtracks. And, but it takes a long time. And in the meantime, there's a lot of uh, costs involved. Sometimes there's a lot of other attention to, to issues like one of my biggest problems right now with the way things have gone for the last year or so is that people are really struggling in the province of Ontario. You know, they're they're having trouble affording rent or mortgages and they're having trouble getting affording even groceries and that our government seems to be flipping and flopping and focused on things that just don't seem to be consistent with where people are at. Well, I'm uh, speaking with Marit Stiles, the Ontario NDP leader. Uh, very pleased to have her on this morning. So where does the NDP stand on um, the situation of Peel? Ah, well, I mean, look, first of all, I would say I hope he does reverse this decision. That would be good news for people in Peel region. Uh, uh, as you've heard, there's a report that's um, saying, and I think this is consistent, to be honest, with what everything that I've read and the people that I've uh, met with and spoken to in Peel region, that if this goes through, tax, taxes for residents in the Peel region will go up to the tune of about 17% in Mississauga, uh, 34% in Brampton, and 256% in Caledon, yeah. which is just unbelievable. But the point I think we have to understand is that this has a huge impact on uh, those municipalities, and residents will bear the burden of that. In the meantime, the other thing that's really, I think, that everybody should be pretty worried about is that municipal workers, like the paramedics, the people that keep our cities going, are very, very concerned about what this is going to mean. And so we've seen people already leaving, uh, leaving those workplaces. Uh, we've seen uh, some of the social service agencies are worrying. I've met with like 80 of them in Brampton recently, and they're saying, look, we don't know if we're going to be able to provide the kind of services that we have provided uh, throughout the region. People like who run shelters and food banks and uh, places that uh, that serve women uh, escaping violence. So these are really serious questions that it's caused a lot of anxiety in the region. So, you know, I hope he reverses course. Uh, but a whole lot of um, uh, uh, there's been a lot of uncertainty and anxiety caused in the meantime. Uh, I want to go back to a decision that you had to make. And, and originally you were sort of it was a tough de- a decision for you to make. But uh, expelling uh, Sarah Jama from 
mm-hmm. from your caucus. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seemed to me, I, 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 on social media, I commended you uh, for doing that. But, it, and I know that you had to have discussions with people and you had to check with the stakeholders, but I just worry for your party that that you that by waiting that long, you might have lost credibility on certain issues moving forward, uh, given that this was happening in the light in the bat with the backdrop of of terrible violence against women, um, uh, the the rapes and the beheadings and the murders and the lighting people on fire. Um, that that to have to have to be tied to that in fairly or unfairly, it is going to make it really hard harder for you to for the NDP to stand up for certain types of social justice movements. What do you mm-hmm. think? To, when I say that, what do you think? Well, I think, you know, first of all, no, no leader wants to have to uh, lose MPPs in their caucus. So I had to make a, a difficult decision. Uh, I also uh, know that there are people throughout Ontario who uh, have, have family in the region uh, who are impacted by the violence that's taking place uh, both in Gaza and, in, and that has taken place in Israel. It is, terrible and what's happening right now the bombardment of gaza is 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 a tragedy a great tragedy and you know it is difficult i think um in politics to find a place where you no matter you know which side or how you want to frame it you you have to find the humanity that's what i've always thought you know just just center humanity and uh so you know we have positions in our party uh, our federal uh, party has taken some positions. We've been consistent with that. And um, but, you know, when it, when an MPP is uh, is kind of acting independently, yeah. uh, you know, then then sometimes uh, there there have to be consequences. Well, you know, yeah, but you, make, say, uh, you yeah. make a good point. You, I think you said it right there. If a, if if um, if an MPP is not willing to play by the rules of the party and they want to act independently, then then by definition, they should be independents. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, you know, we we have fought the censure of, of um, the MPP. I, I think that is uh, really deeply undemocratic for the government uh, action for them to take. But uh, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to, you know, there, there's a place for independence in the legislature. And um, I, I we, there are many independents, including all the Liberal Party members right now are still independents. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we we work together on issues as they arise, you know, where we find similar values. And that's what we'll continue to do. Uh, lastly, before I let you go, um, I, I wanted to ask your opinion as someone who would probably have an opinion on this. I think I've come up with a pretty good idea on how to keep. Um, people living on the streets of Toronto safe during the winter months, knowing that in the current status quo, we don't have enough beds for them. We don't have enough roofs for them. And mm. and it's about to get cold. What do you think of the city doing a deal with the malls that, that house the former Nordstrom? So Yorkdale and uh, the Eaton Center. These are hundreds mm. of thousands of square feet. They're close to where you, these people are. Um, mm-hmm. so they could stay in their neighborhoods. You do a deal with them. You make it financially lucrative for whoever is the stakeholder for those spaces. And, uh, you rough out some showers, you bring in some beds and you've given yourself some time to come up with an actual plan, uh, by next, by the end of the next summer. What do you think of that? Mm-mm. Well, I mean, gosh, you know, we got to be creative, you know, yeah. so I think everything should be on the table. Um, and, but, you know, and, and at the end of the day, we can't, we do, we do need to keep, Focusing though on actually how we're going to build um, the more the truly 
affordable and supportive housing that ultimately people need, right? I, I believe housing is a human right. And so, I mean, I think in, when you're talking about a crisis that we're facing, an emergency, then all everything should be on the table. But we can't we can't lose sight of the fact that the real answer is to is to get that housing, that truly affordable housing built for people. We have been talking this morning with the leader of the opposition at Queen's Park, the leader of the NDP, Marit Stiles. Thank you so much. I hope this is the first of many conversations we have. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Nice to chat with you, Ben. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. We're going to take a little tour of headlines in provincial politics with Charlie Pinkerton, deputy editor of The Trillium. Charlie, thank you so much for being here. uh, And we we appreciate the insights you're going to provide. How are you this morning? I'm doing fine, Ben. How are you? I'm well. I'm well, thank you. Uh, So Bonnie Crombie, the talk of the town, uh, as she is the new Ontario Liberal leader. Uh, She did not get a very nice welcome, rather rough welcome, uh, in the legislature by the premier, who went off in question period about her flying around in a private jet with a developer. This is a leader that said no to removing tolls. No to scrapping the license plate stickers. No to cutting taxes. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because their leader was too busy flying around in the private jet of her buddy, the developer, that everyone knows who this developer is and is going to come back to haunt her. Flying around in the private jet, going to her $5 million estate in the Hamptons. She's out of touch. Well, so uh, she she defended herself. I thought she acquitted herself pretty well. Um, She said that, you know, she's got a home on Long Island that that she uh, that she got from a a relative in a will. She said it is not it is not a Hamptons estate. Um, but she's not she's decided that she doesn't want to be uh, in the house uh, uh, right now. She's not going to uh, look for a seat in a by election. Which means when this stuff comes up in the future, Charlie, she won't be there to defend herself. Yeah, and that's something that'll make this challenging uh, for her as the new leader, at least for the next little while. Because, like you said, Ben, she's not going to be running for a seat uh, anytime soon. Um, there's only one by-election on the immediate horizon, and the Liberals already have a candidate there. And it's uh, would be a challenging seat for them to win anyways. Um, so you're right. You know, in any time that Premier Doug Ford feels like going after Bonnie Crombie, um, even in a way like he did the other day, which you know many saw as perhaps a little over the top and a little overly political, uh, she's not going to be there, there to defend herself. And, and, uh, and Charlie, correct me if I'm wrong. I know that in Ottawa they have a parliamentary privilege uh, where you can say a lot of things on the floor of the House of Commons that if you stepped out into the hallway and said those things, you could get sued. Is that the same at Queen's Park? Because if it is, well, he's got a license to say whatever he wants about her and she won't be there to defend herself. Yes, Ben, that's absolutely the case at Queen's Park. And that is why uh, a comment like the one the other day about the private jet, uh, you know, uh, gives the premier a little more safety when he says in the legislature and not outside because yeah. she's not going to be taking any legal action or anything like that towards him. Yeah, I, 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 I when I heard she wasn't going to run, I thought it was a bad idea. I thought it was a bad. I, I appreciated the reasons that she gave, uh, but I also thought, you know, you can do all those things at the same time. You can sit in the legislature and rebuild the party. You can sit in the legislature and raise money. You can sit in the party and get the uh, get the message of your party out to uh, to the, the to the larger population. 
But if you're not in the house of, if you're not in a house or, or 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 in this case Queens Park, you're not, you're not, you're not playing the game, and you're not on the chessboard. And if you're not on the chessboard, you're losing out on an opportunity to um, to oppose the the um, the government, and and that's what your job is right now as a leader that is not in government. Your job is to oppose. Do you think she made the right decision? Well, you know, I think we'll see. It's been uh, she's been the leader now for what we're looking at about six days. So um, I think that she's sort of a bit more hopeful that another seat will open up uh, somewhere in the GTA, perhaps even somewhere close to home for her, Mississauga. Uh, MPP Khalid Rashid, who had left the PCs over the Vegas and Greenbelt scandal. Um, I would suspect Bonnie Crombie is going to try to figure out what he's going to do in the near future because that will allow uh, her to uh, possibly get into the legislature. Uh, but for now, you know, the Liberals do have serious, uh, serious fi- financial problems. That was something I heard in the last election. And, um, you know, I-, I can totally see why it might be one of their main concerns to address right now to, to you know, raise more money. Well, you know, um, Doug Ford raised the specter of this close relationship with a developer who had a private plane. We all know who it is, and this will come back to haunt her. Now, you spoke to who we think the developer is. Indeed, yeah. So I spoke with Benny Murata, who is a developer. His company is called Solmar. Um, There was sort of rumors uh, bandied about during the Ontario Liberal leadership uh, election about his and Crombie's personal relationship, them being friends and whatnot, her visiting his winery, um, things along the lines of what the premier said. But when I talked to Ben Murata on Tuesday, uh, he uh, rejected any kind of notion that he and Bonnie Crombie had flown on private jets together. He said she has visited his, his winery. Um, he did call her a friend. Uh, but again, what the premier said uh, on Monday, uh, if it was alluding to him, because the premier did not mention him by name, um, many Murata said was false. All right. Well, let's move on to Ontario Place, uh, because there's uh, the AG report has some new info on the Ontario Place parking lot issue. I can't believe that we are now moved into the parking lot phase of this very emotional debate. But here we are. What do you have to tell us about that? Yeah, so... <laughs> I sort of agree with you, Ben. It's it's uh, it's hard to keep track of these specific details because of what's happening at Ontario Place. Uh, but essentially, there was a audit that came out in the Auditor General's annual uh, reports earlier this week uh, that showed that the parking lot um, is uh, contractually required uh, to be added uh, to or near Ontario Place uh, by the leases with Therma uh, and Live Nation. Um, as well as that the uh, Ontario Science Centre, the move of which has been another part of this controversy, uh, to Ontario Place, uh, its relocation, um, you know, according to documents, turned over to the Auditor General. Uh, it is being done to partly, uh, you know, justify that parking lot and, um, uh, you know, and, and to help, by extension, fulfill those lease agreements with Therma and Live Nation, which is something that many sort of critics of the Ford government's redevelopment plan um, have sort of been worried about all along. You know, I've, I, I, I had a conversation yesterday on this show um, with um, uh, one of the opponents of this entire thing, referring to it as a mega spa and, and it wasn't going to be accessible to, to people. I just, I'm so tired of the debate and the government. The government 
shouldn't have been in the business of amusement parks anyway. And then we find ourselves with the derelict space that we've all had to watch what an eyesore uh, for so long because they couldn't manage the amusement park. So I don't mind that a, a, a group that actually knows what they're doing is going to come in and take the space. And yes, some of it is going to be for uh, some of it's going to be uh, uh, you know, a, a situation where families have to pay. But a whole chunk of it is going to be free. And it's going to be beautiful, and it's going to be maintained, and it's going to be a jewel to appreciate. And you know what? Like, no matter what Doug Ford said he was going to put there, people would have hated it. Yeah, you know, I remember. I remember the debate where he was supposed to. Um, he wanted us to have a a a, um, a a Ferris wheel, and he was laughed out of town. People were laughing at him. Well, Miami's got one. London's got one. Montreal's got one. All those people suggesting that Toronto is better than all those cities. Give me a break. Uh, anyway, hey, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I really appreciate it. And um, I hope you come back sometime. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on, Ben.